to be that age again. Our scripture reading uh, for this morning is found in the first chapter of the book of Romans, and uh, it starts with verse 8, and it goes through verse 13. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Brother Steve, give us a word. Hey, thanks, Russ. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Good to see you. If you're new here, I'm Steve. I'm the pastor here, and I want you to know that I love all of you, and I love being here and worship with you. Uh, you know, this is Sunday, the Lord's Day, and every Sunday is a celebration of Jesus' resurrection and his reign. And uh, if you are worshiping online with us today, I want you to know I'm so glad that you joined us. And again, for those of you who are new here this morning, um, welcome. I want you to know that our purpose as a church is just to help people come to faith and discover Jesus for themselves. And then we're, join us on this journey that we're on of becoming Jesus' deep, daring, daily disciples. And we, we have found that following him is the path of life. And, and placing our lives in his hands gives us hope for the future. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, the Olympics ends today, right? The closing ceremony. Maybe it's already happened. We just haven't seen it yet. But anyway, uh, did you watch some of it? A lot of you did. Some of you did. Uh, Trish and I, we, we watched a fair bit. And uh, it was interesting, though, this time that the family and friends and the fans were not allowed to be there in the, in the stands and, and watch everything. But they did. Uh, NBC set up this thing where, um, you know, the, after the event... That they had cameras on all the family and friends back home, and so the athlete could go up and, and talk to them a little bit, how they could be cheered on by, by their folks back home. And, and then, but Tuesday evening, Tuesday evening, um, I noticed one athlete didn't use the official technology. After winning the bronze medal on the balance beam, Simone Biles pulled out her own smartphone and FaceTimed her family. Anyway, so that's kind of where I got the, the title for today. Today's message is FaceTime. In-person 
Face-to-face time with people is a basic human need. We are wired for it. When my daughter was a toddler and when I was holding her, sometimes she would put a hand on each of my cheeks and swivel my head until I was face-to-face with her. I thought she was going to grow up to be a chiropractor, you know. (laughs) But, But she had something to say, and she wanted my undivided attention. She wanted FaceTime. I'd like to invite up uh, Jen Chattel and Roseanne Nichols. Jen uh, and Roseanne uh, are in a small group with their husbands and another couple. But then um, a couple years ago or so, they decided to um, start another group for women. And, uh, and, of course, then the pandemic hit. And all of our groups are trying to figure out, well, how do we adjust? What do we do? And uh, so I'm curious with you all, how did you adjust pandemic hits? Do you continue your group? Do you not? And what, how did you adjust? What did you do? We continued in a variety of ways. Um, we were already uh, connected with a long text thread, and we knew immediately when the church shut down, that's not going to shut us down. Uh, so we immediately went to Zoom, okay. and we're, we're meeting over Zoom, and then um, as things changed a little bit and the weather improved a little bit, you know, I think we shut down in what March. Um, then we decided, well, we could we could meet in person. We could we could still go to the church. So we brought our chairs and met in the parking lot up up top, and we surprised you. You didn't know yeah. we were going to be up there. We didn't ask permission first. We just showed up, um, and so we did that for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we did kind of we hopped from driveway to driveway for a couple of weeks. Um, different people would host. Uh, we've met under the canopy, um, and then when it got cold again, we went back to Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when the church reopened, we came back in the church with masks and socially distanced in the chapel. And now we're back still in the chapel without our masks on, and so we've, we've continued to see each other, and sometimes it's just this part of the face, but sometimes it's the, it's whole, thing. the whole thing. Yeah. So. You know, um, I think, as I look back, your group was the first one to try meeting outside. And that inspired a bunch of others to do things outside as well. And some small groups, we, I know we had a blanketed with prayer group that would meet outside sometimes. And so it turned out to be a great uh, option. Um, it, but I was wondering about why was it important to you that your group continue through all this? Well, I would say um, it was obviously a difficult time to go through and to have that support of our closest friends and that tight group just meant the world. And it's pretty amazing in 18 months, short of two years, when we think of we've had professional changes, grandbabies born, families that have had death in their families, um, a lot to celebrate, a lot to mourn. Um, and, and to do that together face to face was, it, it was so helpful, really encouraging. Yeah. Um, if you had not met together, what would that have been like? Well, I, I can't imagine that. First of all, um, it just would have been different. We would have, it would have been so much more isolated. Yeah. I wouldn't have known, you know, what my friends were going through or what was going on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly can't imagine what right. that would have been going through sure. everything. And and you know that we got a chance to check in with each other. We didn't. We didn't always answer every question we were supposed to. Sorry, Holly, I know you worked hard writing them. Um, 
but a lot of times, okay especially that. especially at the start of the pandemic, a lot of times it was just a chance to check in and, and check on each other. Yeah. And just to make sure, because we couldn't see each other on Sunday. We, you know, we weren't going to the grocery stores. We didn't run into each other anywhere. You know, our kids were home. You know, nobody was in school. You know, mm -hmm. so, some of the ladies in our church have little kids. And, you know, just trying to help them navigate the change in their life, trying to teach school and do their jobs. And, I mean, it was just a lot. That was church, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think we would have had a, had a lot of missed opportunity amongst our group if we weren't together. There were... There were things that just came up sharing our own personal struggles that kind of gave us the opportunity to help each other with a meal or helping with kids right. or um, that, that we may not have been aware of if we weren't meeting together. And I know that even then the text messages continued to be very important because Trish, is, my wife, is in that group and there, I knew there were a lot of text messages uh, <laughs> happening through that and, and those were so important. They, they kept the connection alive from, from one Wednesday to the next, you know, so. There are days I, I have my phone in my chest pocket of my shirt at work, and then some days if there's a lot going on in small group, i got to make sure my phone's in my office. <laughs> <That's going on. laughs> That's right. So uh, tell me that what happened. What difference did it make that you went from Zoom and then to maybe outside and then to inside with masks, and now finally... You know, sort of this, most people are unmasked and you're together. What, what, tell me what difference that made. I, I think most people realize and have gone through it. It, it. When the pandemic started and your only option was FaceTime, that was great. But trying to talk, and sometimes there's nine or ten women on a FaceTime, and it, it's hard to start a conversation. You, you might interrupt somebody and you feel bad, or maybe somebody doesn't speak up because they feel like they can't say anything. And when you're face-to-face, -face, it just feels different, even masked or not masked. You know, you, you, there's just a, it's just a more natural conversation and, yeah. and back and forth, and you can, you can read people's expressions better. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to look at nine different screens, as you know. Yeah. And it's different when you can just kind of quickly scan the room. So it's more personal. I, I feel like it is, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think it helps helps us feel like we're carving out that time for ourselves of yeah. inevitably, especially being women and moms at home, sometimes there's somebody chirping in your ear in the background of your Zoom call, and, um, but to be able to come and meet and be in person, really carve that out is, is a special time. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, thank you both. All right, you know, most of our faith groups have both men and women in it. Of course, the one that they're talking about is just a women's group. I happen to be in a group that's just for men. And uh, uh, last Friday, one of the guys in our group, it was his last time with us because he and his wife are moving to another state. And uh, so we said we're going to send him off with a big uh, barbecue lunch. And... Um, so we were, we were all there together, and we were sitting around the table and eating and some good food and, and uh, sharing. I mean, we do some pretty honest sharing in our group and then also just eating, telling stories, laughing. And, but to me, just around that table, it was, a, it was like a picture of the church. Um, so here's what I would say today. This is kind of my main thing, the heart of the message. The church 
is a potluck of encouragement. We each bring a little to share, and we all go home with plenty to spare. You like how that rhymes, don't you? Yeah. So anyway, will you say it with me? Here we go. The church is a potluck of encouragement. We each bring a little to share, and we all go home with plenty to spare. Now, you probably could have guessed this, but the word church in the Bible never means a place or a building. Occasionally, it refers to what we call as the universal church, which is all of Jesus' people all over the world. But the word church in the Bible usually means a local gathering, an assembly of the people. Jesus says, we are his church. We are his people coming together, spending FaceTime with each other. Uh, someday, um, when I'm too old, too, uh, too feeble to be able to come to church or to go to group, I'm going to still be part of the universal church, right? But I will have lost something valuable. I will miss the gathering. I will miss the face-to-face -face time. And yet, even then, there are ways that it can continue. Uh, one of our Faith Westwood people, uh, Helen Botter, died earlier this year at the youthful age of 104. I remember when she was 99, she was still coming to church, and she would uh, walk, go walk in the west entrance so that she could take the steps down when she came and then take the steps back up when she left just for the exercise. 99. Somewhere around a point when she was 100 years old, she was no longer able to come in person. But Gaylene Adler from our church was one of the people who regularly came to visit her and bring her communion. And at that moment, the two of them, they were the church. They were the face-to-face -face of Jesus' people. This morning's scripture comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the sisters and brothers in Rome. And when he's writing this in about 57 A.D., Paul has never been to Rome. He doesn't know most of the, the, the Jesus' people there, but he's eager to go. He wants to meet them. He previously told the believers in Ephesus about his plans. He planned to, to, from there, make stops to Macedonia and Greece and then head to Jerusalem. And then in Acts 19.21, Paul adds, After I've been there, that is Jerusalem, I must visit Rome also. So now let's go to the, to the letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 10. Paul says, I pray now that at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Well, it didn't turn out that simple for him. As it turns out, Paul is arrested in Jerusalem for his message. Uh, the night following Paul's tr Jewish trial, Jesus comes to him in the night. Now, we don't know whether this was a dream or a vision or some even bodily appearance. We don't know. Uh, and, but Jesus tells Paul that he will indeed go to Rome. When the Roman commander in Jerusalem learns that the Jews have plotted to assassinate Paul, Paul is transferred to Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast. There, Paul has another trial before the Roman governor Felix, and uh, Felix bows to the pressure from Jerusalem and ends up leaving Paul in prison for two years. 
two-year delay. It would take about three years from the time that Paul wrote this letter before he finally arrives in Rome. And during those three years, he deeply desires to be with the sisters and brothers there. He says in verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And then it's like he rethinks, he corrects himself. That, that's not quite right. Because the giving and the receiving, they work both ways. In verse 12, he adds, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And right there, Paul puts his finger on something that is indispensable in the Christian life. Every time Jesus' people come together, there is something powerful and mutual going on. Just being together, face-to-face, is a mutual encouragement. And that's why I said, as I said earlier, the church is a potluck of of encouragement. We each bring a little to share, and we all go home with plenty to spare. You you might be tempted to think that it, it doesn't matter whether you're physically here or not. You might think, well, it only affects me. But I want to say as clearly as I can that it does matter that you're here. We encourage one another just by showing up. Few of you this morning are walking more slowly these days than you used to. Uh, Maybe you use a cane or a walker. Your legs are not as strong or as swift as they used to be. Sure would have been easy to stay home, wouldn't it? But today, some 10-year-old is going to notice that you came, even though you're moving more slowly, even though it takes more effort than it used to. And that 10-year-old will see how much it matters to you And they will want to to know if it can matter that much to them. That's how we encourage each other in our faith. When the children were up here for the backpack blessing, maybe one of them caught your eye and you noticed how eager she was to be here. And and maybe you saw his big proud smile with his backpack on. And you thought, you know, I want to reclaim some of that childlike eagerness. That's how we encourage each other's faith today. Probably most all of you uh, greeted somebody. You smiled and said good morning, and if you had not been here, that person would not have received your greeting, and it brightened their day. It helped them feel like this is a place to be. This This is where I belong. That's how we encourage each other in our faith. When you were singing one of the songs that the band led us uh, in earlier, uh, you don't know this, but somebody sneaked a peek at you. They went kind of, and they saw you praising God, and that's when they decided, okay, I'll sing along too. We encourage each other's faith, often without knowing it. So you ask me if it matters whether you're here, and I say absolutely, it matters every time you're here. You see, you're not just here for yourself. If you think that you're just here for yourself, then you would be a a consumer Christian. 
And a consumer Christian is an oxymoron. And you don't want to be an oxymoron or any other kind, right? As Jesus' deep, daring, daily disciples, we, we learn to let go of that consumer mentality, and we come together as community, community in Christ. And, and that means we all have, we each have something to give and receive because we said earlier that the church is a potluck of encouragement. We each bring a little to share. We all go home with plenty to spare. Are, are you a people watcher? I am. I, I try not to be too obvious. Sometimes my wife has to give me an elbow. You're staring. But if you're, if you're watching... Uh, people this morning, you might notice a few grumpy ones. You might even bump into a few bossy ones. Every church has a few like that. And every, all of us have a few days like that. Today just might be your day. And that's when we need to bring an extra helping of love and encouragement for one another just to say, okay, bless you, friend. And yet most people that you will meet here this morning, they have a lot to share. Earlier this summer, a um, lady in our church, Marcia Gerard, was, she was about to walk into the worship center Sunday morning before the service began. And um, I stopped her. And I said, Marcia, would you pray for me before this service starts? And she just turned and smiled. And so... There we were in the hallway behind the worship center, and, and she prayed me up. I knew she would. She blessed me, and I believe the opportunity to pray also then blessed her. It was mutual encouragement. Maybe you, you're troubled by something or worried about something, and this morning, you might just see someone that you trust well, and you say, would you pray for me? And you know that they would be praying for you throughout the week, but maybe even just to stop and pray for you right at that moment, in the foyer, out on the parking lot, wherever. And it would bless them that you asked. Now let's look at verse 13. Paul says, I did not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now. And that is the reality for us a lot of times. Uh, sometimes we are prevented. I talked with uh, one person on the phone a few days ago who said that this would be their family's first Sunday back since the pandemic began. Family health issues had kept them sort of COVID cautious during this time, but those issues are now getting to be resolved. Things are looking better, and they, they would have liked to have returned earlier, but as Paul says, they were prevented from doing so until now. Some of you uh, were previously coming to worship maybe through the spring, early part of the summer, and now with the Delta variant, variant you know, surging, some of you are deciding to stay home. And I, I say, that's fine. Uh, we are live streaming this for you. And only you can decide the risk 
that is right for you. So what do you do when circumstances prevent you from being in person, being face-to-face as we gather? Well, the answer is really not much. It's very simple. Just do what you can do. The Apostle Paul is not able to meet face-to-face with the sisters and brothers in Rome yet, so he does what he can do. He writes him a letter. Turns out, it may have been the most important letter ever written in human history. The letter to the Romans is the flagship epistle of the New Testament. Do what you can do. Last summer, when the, when the pandemic uh, kept our groups from meeting, you know, like I said, I saw that uh, Jen and Roseanne's group, they were meeting outside. I thought, great idea. So I texted the guys in my group, said, hey, would you like to start meeting outside? Yeah, yeah. so matter of fact, we kind of claimed that tree uh, on the, on the uh, south side there along the street, and we, we uh, you know, sit under that tree. We all bring our chairs and... And uh, still, we'll, we'll still do that sometimes now, even though we are free to meet indoors and in person without masks. But uh, anyway, do what you can do. Um, and through it all, through it all, God has been with us. Through it all, we have been blessed and we have blessed one another. That means the church is working the way God meant it to work. It's a potluck of encouragement. We each bring a little to share. We all go home with plenty to spare. I want to end by telling you about a few people of the many people who have encouraged me over the years, though without ever knowing it. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a lady in my church uh, named Willa Hegeman. Now, to me as a kid, Willa was old. She was always old. She, it was kind of like she'd always been that way, you know. And, and at Vacation Bible School in our farming community, we didn't have Pete and repeat. We had Willa. And she would give the talk at what we call a vacation, VBS called Opening Exercises, Um, I can't remember what she said all these years later, but I can still hear the conviction in her voice. I still remember the sincerity on her wrinkled face. I remember that she was compelling as she made her point. Willa was an encouragement to me. I remember Larry. Larry was a member of a small-town church where I was pastor. Um, Larry was the head usher. probably had been for quite a while. He was always friendly, outgoing, you know, kind of dorky, though, a little bit, you know? And uh, Larry just loved seeing people come to church. Uh, One Sunday, we had a really large crowd. I don't remember if it was Easter or what, but anyway, it was a really large crowd, and everybody came forward for communion. And uh, Larry, being the head usher, made sure everyone else was taken care of first, and then he was the last one to come up for communion. And as he came forward, before receiving, he handed me a little slip of paper. 
and he had this big goofy smile on his face. <laughs> you know? And after I served him communion, I opened that slip of paper. It was his usher count. He thought it was like a record day. And he was so excited, he couldn't wait to share it with me. And maybe one reason I, I remember that is because sometime later, Larry was killed in a farm accident. And I told that story at his funeral. It was a story we all needed to hear. Larry was an encouragement to me. I remember Doris. Doris was the organist at another small town church that I served. Uh, Doris was a woman of perpetual po positivity. I mean, you just, she was just that way. Um, she seemed to wake up every morning thinking, well, what can I do for someone else? And she just got up and did it. Uh, she would, you know, bring somebody a, a plate of food or bring somebody a slice of pie or she would just go visit somebody who didn't get out much. Doris overflowed with joy. And with all her joy and generosity, you probably would never notice that Doris had a lot of health issues of her own and she often didn't feel good. Her medications gave her some really bothersome side effects. She had family issues that were really a heartache for her. But blessing others was the antidote. It was what distracted her from her troubles and made life full of joy. Doris was an encouragement to me. And I'm still feasting on that, on the, the examples of people like Willa and Larry and Doris and many others, many of you here. It's the kind of encouragement we, we receive when we come together face to face. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have placed us within a family, this church family, and you have offered us a feast of encouragement. Oh, Lord, give us eyes to see the examples, the living, breathing examples around us, to see their service and sacrifice, their gentleness and joy, their humility and humor and holiness. Jesus, our Savior, we, we thank you that, that we can be here together in person. Help us to, to recognize something sacred on each and every face, sometimes broken, but always beautiful. Holy Spirit, fill this place and fill us even now. Whisper your word of truth and love into our souls. Let us be an encouragement to one another today, whether we know it or not. And now I would like to give you a full minute where you can bring to God what is ever on your heart in silent prayer.
And all God's people said, amen.